Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, context. Call me, 1-800-743-CNBC, or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Prepare for the worst. Expect the worst. Hey, that's been the market's attitude for weeks now, as the Fed methodically continues raising interest rates to cool down the economy. I know that sounds crazy on a day where the average is ultimately spiked into the close. Dow surging 932 points. 930 points. S&P was soaring uh, 2.99%. And get this, NASDAQ rocketing 3.19%. But there's always a sigh of relief when the Fed does exactly what we expect them to do, even if it's the largest rate hike in 22 years. And it can be even more than a sigh of relief. It could be outright buying when something unexpectedly positive occurs. And we got that today when our own Steve Leisman asked if the Fed is thinking of going 75 basis points at the next meeting. Talk about prepare for the worst. Expect the worst. Then, with the market teetering and readying for itself for another plunge, and you all saw it about to happen... Jay Powell took the 75 basis points off the table. We were off to the races, including those who know it isn't paid to be short at every turn this year. It was amazing. It really was. And I was watching, and I was thinking, all right, it's going to go down, going to go down. What can save it? What's going to save it? The shorts are coming in, the sell, and the futures got boom. Close. Case closed. No 75. Me. Well, after a day like today uh, is put behind us and a 75 basis point hike is no longer ahead of us, I get to go back to earnings season mode, even if we've already got this uh, non-farm payroll report giving game to Balfour on Friday. And from my observations, until the 75 basis point potential hike was removed from the game plan, uh, I can tell that we weren't getting the kind of pin action that I hope for when I go bowling, as I did just last week. What does that mean? Well, you can't get a 2.7 or even a 3.10 in this outfit, even if, like me, you have your own ball and shoes 
or put it together another way, before the 75 basis points were taken off the table, you could go bowling, hit the AMD pin, and it would just fall like a dud without hitting the NVIDIA pin, as if the two in the same business didn't share the same joy of strong orders as they do. But we found out that J would be measured, something I've been telling you all along. Then NVIDIA pops almost 15 out of nowhere. Boom! Right on the 75 base. You can look at the queue. Look at the time queue. It's incredible. Just when that happened, suddenly NVIDIA's worth 15 more points. It's nuts. But it's how much the market cares about rates versus facts. And it's hard to believe because it's just so stupid. One thing is sure, though, by 9.30 tomorrow, we will forget what Powell said entirely about the next meeting, and we'll start focusing instead on some other thing that is equally as irrelevant. Why is this? Simple. Because people are unsure what a 50 basis point rate hike will actually do to the economy. So starting tomorrow, we'll once again prepare for the worst and expect the worst, and people talk about how people will buy fewer homes or fewer cars or whatever, because that's what people do. And as long as money managers are unsure, which they are, they'll keep selling things that they shouldn't. Today's late afternoon rally notwithstanding, Wall Street's bias here remains very negative. Now, I've seen this kind of moment many times in my career, so I know exactly what's going on through the heads of the big trigger pullers. So I am going to just tell you, I am going to give you a deep dive into their cranial structure and tell you not how stupid they are, but how they think. If you think they're stupid, good. All right, first, first, there are people who feel that this whole situation has gotten out of Jay Powell's hands. They watched him talk about how inflation should flatten out today. And they didn't even want to bother to listen. See, because they've made up their minds that Powell is out of touch, that he's lost it, that he is a stooge, a lackey. Like Paul Tudor Jones, a great guy, billionaire philanthropist, who said yesterday that the lackey stooge Fed chief should resign. These people are sellers of everything. After the Fed meeting, they were mostly grateful uh, so that so many others were willing to take Powell seriously, give me a chance to be able to ring the register at higher levels. These guys see Powell as the ultimate lightweight, who's so far behind the curve that he's made himself irrelevant. Because he's so late, they think we're in for a repeat of the late 70s. They keep talking about early 80s. I was alive. I traded then. It's very different. When the Fed had to take rates to the low teens and wreck the economy, get inflation under control. I bet some of these billionaires who think Powell is a total stooge and lackey have some gigantic short positions here, although they won't want to talk about them. So camp number one is Jay Powell's a stooge. OK, and then there's the second group. They think Powell's irrelevant for a different reason. Between the lockdowns in China and the war in Ukraine, the global supply chain is so messed up that there's not much the Fed can do to get inflation under control. They don't blame Powell. They see this as a total uh, force majeure situation. Now, these guys are wildly are wild sellers. Now, I'm going to let you into something, but I'm going to whisper because I don't want it. To, I don't want everybody to know. I just want you and me to know. Okay, and don't tell anybody else. These are people who fear that Russia is going to drop a tactical nuke on Kiev. Okay, these are people who fear that China is going to invade Taiwan. These are people who think that our country's weak and the Russians are strong and China's strong. They'll never say this stuff out loud because it makes them sound like they're crazy. But this, remember, this is just between you and me. But this camp is secretly very afraid. They wake up afraid. They go to bed afraid. They think millions are about to die from the madman in the Kremlin. And unless he's killed, the World War III is here. They also don't care what Jay Powell says because they don't, Jay's not talking about how everybody's going to die. Now, look. Other than Billy and the Predator, that everybody's going to die, I think, doesn't rash with me. Can we have all those horrible things? Oh, we can have every horrible thing. Anything horrible can happen. But these people are sellers. 
because of China and Ukraine and this. They are, they changed the numbers on me, so I have to look around. Where's my scared? All right, well, it's in here somewhere. They're scared. Better do a little cinema verite and pretend that I know where the button is, right? But they're scared. They just don't want to tell you because they're afraid to even tell you the truth. But they're scared. All right, then there's a third game. These are the people who think that Powell must crash the economic plane because it's too, the economy's too hot. As they see it, they've got 11.5 million job openings and only 6 million job seekers. So while Powell can talk a good game about a soft landing, they just don't believe he can break inflation unless he aggressively jacks up interest rates. They wanted the 75. They wanted the 175. They want the 275. This third camp wants to sell everything into strength because when they hear kill inflation now, they take it to mean kill the economy now. They want a thousand basis points and they want, to, they want anything. They are pulling for a crash landing. Got stooge fed, scared to death camp, pro crash landing. All right, there you go. And then, then there's my kid. I don't know. How about this? I'm the constructive camp. I think the consumer is strong. Jobs are plentiful. I think Powell can raise rates reasonably with a decent time frame. Do a great job. I think prices will then come down. Findings for autos get expensive. Uh, Funding for autos is expensive, so maybe we won't have a car shortage. We'll have too many used cars as some of the used car dealers go under. If you want to borrow money to start a business and it's reckless, you might not get the money. There'll be less buying of stocks on margin. There'll be plenty of people who leave the stock market because they need the cash. But I think leaving the market's a mistake because Powell happens to be an incredibly thoughtful, good public servant who's doing amazingly. For example, he did take off the possibility of the 75 basis point triple rate hike off the table, right? In my, in my camp, we respect his judgment and his knowledge of history. So we take the stooge off the table. In my camp, Russia backs down because we send the Ukrainians better weapons than they have, and China s- decides to stop starving its own people. In my camp, there can be no necessary crash landing because he doesn't want one. During this period, we have to watch how individual stocks behave. We can't trust prices because we never know when someone else might be drawn to one of these three other camps because of the overheated economy thesis. They probably sold at the rally today. They'll sell again tomorrow because this is who they are. But if you're in my camp, you're drawn to owning stocks here because there are plenty of companies that could do well, even if the more bearish camps turn out to be right. If you think Powell's a doofus and a stooge and a lackey and we're in for Jimmy Carter era inflation, you can buy the high yielding oil stocks like the ones I talk about tomorrow at noon on our investing call. Members only. If you think Russia and China are driving us toward a much more dangerous world, go buy the defense stocks and cybersecurity plays. They were on sale today. Think Aero Environment, Lockheed Martin, Palo Alto Networks. If you think we're headed for a Fed mandated recession, you buy the food and stocks. Food and drug stocks. How about my camp? Well, if you're in my camp, you buy good companies like an AMD, like an NVIDIA. You buy the banks. They're going to make a lot more money off you. Um, you'll get the 310 spare. Hey, you might even hit the strike. This is what happens. Good things. Good things can and do happen. The, remember, banks get instantly more profitable when the Fed raises the short rates OK, but and the banks continue to pay you pennies. Hey, by the way, you can also buy tech because tech stocks tend to do well once inflation peaks, but only profitable tech stocks, please, because the money losers aren't going to make it to the promised land. Here's the bottom line. Let the people who think Powell's in over his head 
Let the people who are scared to death every single morning and let the people who think that he's a fool and has to crash land get out and let it leave all the good stocks to us. Richard in California, Richard. Richard. Good, good um, afternoon, Jim. I'm calling from Palm Desert. Um, my question is Qualcomm. You had the CEO on a few months ago. I got in a little bit high. I know today was a good day for it, as the rest of the market was. But what do you feel about the future? Christian Amon just won the VW contract, probably the biggest in the world for electrifying. He's also got the GM deal. The stock is selling 11 times earnings. It's going to be a big gangbuster quarter. They, have, they own 5G. He's one of the smartest people I ever met. And I think that stock belongs at 170, not 145, which is why I bought the heck out of it for the investing club. Remember, 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 okay? Let the people who think Powell is a stooge get out, okay? The ones who are scared to death get out. And the ones who think it's going to crash, get out. You and me, let's stay constructive. Man, money tonight. GXO Logistics, XPO spinoff, reported first quarter results after the bell, breaking down the numbers with the CEO. Then Revolve plummeted today. I don't think that made any sense. I'm an influencer. I'm learning more from the company's top brass, okay? And then finally, Clorox. Hey, you know what? Don't drink it, just buy it. Stick with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching 
engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We've heard company after company complain about higher supply chain costs came up today with the Fed. Yet the logistics stocks have been awful performers this year. Take GXO Logistics, the supply chain logistics outsourcing business, spun off by XPO Logistics last year. Stocks started trading at $60 bucks last August, jumped to 105 mid-November. Since then, it's round trip back to the low 60s. Even as nothing's really changed with the underlying story. Tonight, uh, GXO, it reported yet another impressive set of, of results. Eight-cent earnings beat, 51-cent basis, on top of it, in-line sales. Even better, management raised their full-year organic sales growth substantially from 11 to 15%. Now, given that the stock sells for just 22 times earnings, could this be enough for GXO to get its groove back? Let's check in with Malcolm Wilson, the CEO of GXO Logistics, to get a better read on the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. Wilson, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks for having me back on the show, Jim. Okay, so once again, Malcolm, it's driving me crazy. I think your stock had absolutely nothing to do with your business. I mean, when it went up, it made sense because you're solving a lot of logistics problems. When it went down, didn't make sense, but that's because the market hates stocks. I know that sounds odd, but that's what's happening. The GXO thesis of you being, being able to help company with their logistics is totally intact after this quarter, Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely, Jim. You know, in the quarter, what we've seen is consumers are confident they're spending online. They're back in brick and mortar. That's great news. People have gone back into the shopping malls. And for GXO, we're seeing that a stellar level of organic growth, 19 percent. That's a record for our business. Lots of new customer wins, contract wins, lots of new operational implementations. It's really been an outstanding quarter for us, and that's the very reason we've raised our top-line guidance for the full year. All right, so let's say I'm a company that's got, I hear, I complain, my supply chain's bad, I can't get this to here to that, and my shipping guy says, you know what, go see GXO. What would GXO say? We'd be delighted because... That's what's happening with so many customers. You know, that trend that we've been seeing for the past few years, exactly what you've just outlined, Jim, more and more big organizations are seeking to outsource their logistics. They're seeking to take the benefit of organizations like GXO, where we bring innovation, we bring technology, we enable the workplace, we enable the warehousing space, and that's bringing efficiency, higher levels of quality, a more safer environment for the workers who are in the warehouses. It's a win-win environment. And in the end, the consumer's benefiting. Now, do you take, uh, do you say sometimes, look, this is, we better do uh, truck than train. It'd be better do ship than truck. I mean, do you try to tell people, look, maybe you're not doing it exactly right. This is the, the cheapest and fastest? Yeah, absolutely. Our customers come to us normally with a huge amount of data and knowledge and experience of their business. We take all of that information, we analyze it in great detail, we use all of the experience in our company, all our team members, we put together a solution. Invariably nowadays, that involves a lot of automation, about 30% 
of our warehousing stock, over 900 locations globally, are highly automated. We redesign the supply chain for them, the warehouse environment, and that's what brings all that efficiency, high level of service to their customers, and that's really important today. All right, now Amazon came out on their conference call and said basically they had overhired, they had too much infrastructure, maybe even too many warehouses, I don't know. Is that an opportunity for now for like GX to figure out what to do with the excess? Well, listen, warehousing space is still at a premium. You know, manufacturing development is not yet caught up with demand. So I don't think there'll be any uh, hardship in filling up those warehousing spaces. For us, we're a big user, one of the largest real estate uh, users of warehousing space on a global basis. And so we're we're consuming lots of warehousing space. We'll, We'll certainly assist. Now, what, what happens when uh, you send someone to XPO, which is your, uh, you know, I guess your partner, but was your, your, you guys were together in a long time. Would anyone say, you know what, all you're doing is sending me toward uh, Brad Jacobs. That's not right. I want, I want to get the best rate. Oh, you know, listen, that, you know, that, that's, that's part of our DNA. We come from that heritage. So we like that company uh, very much. You know, it's a good company. But people want to work in GXO. They see that we've created a great place for people to work. You know, it, it's, it's really important when you're trying to attract the best talent. And that's the name of our business. For all of the high levels of automation that we deploy, we people are still the main asset that we use in our business. So creating a great place for people to work is super important. And we work hard at doing that. We listen to all of our team members. It's a constant uh, effort for us. And we're very pleased to do that. It, may, it helps us tremendously. Now, I, I know I'm not sure whether you can mention a specific win. I was hoping like I've got a razor company, whatever. But just where you basically just where you get told, look, um, we have a direct consumer business. We're not sure how to handle it. Uh, and you say, don't worry about it. GXO will take care of it. Absolutely. And that's the hallmark of our business. That's why we're so busy as a company. You know, our sales pipelines. That's the business that we know is likely to be landing in our warehouses later in 2022 or 23 or even 24. They're at consistently record highs for two quarters now, over $2.5 billion of sales pipeline. That's amazing. And that's what's given us confidence of our forward trajectory. We're always pleased and delighted to help our customers. They, they like working with us. They're giving us more and more of their business but, but excitingly, more and more organizations who've never outsourced in the past are coming to GXO and helping us to help them solve problems. And we're delighted to do that. Well, well look, as long as I keep hearing their supply chain problems, I, I want to start thinking, well, wait a second. You think that there's nothing you can do? Well, why don't you just go by GXO? I want to thank you, Malcolm Wilson, CEO of GXO. The fact that the stock round tripped has nothing to do with the earnings, which have just done nothing but go up. Great to see you, sir. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me on the show. Once again, people, this is what I'm saying. The stocks have divorced themselves from the companies. You hear supply chain problems. Here's the supply chain stock. Right now, it's a, you say, well, wait a second. They have nothing to do with each other. That does not last. They eventually do come together. Talking about that tomorrow on the CNBC Investing Club meeting at 12 o'clock. Mint Money's back in the break.
Has the retailer Evolve gone out of fashion on the Wall Street Fashion Show? Kramer's talking to the company after guidance sent the stock plunging. Next. Tomorrow, don't miss the next CNBC Investing Club monthly meeting. Navigating market volatility, your questions answered, and all the moves Jim is making for his charitable trust. Join today. Scan the code or go to cnbc.com slash investing club meeting. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Sometimes you see a stock plunging on a seemingly strong quarter, and you got to wonder what the heck is wrong with the sellers. Take Revolve Group, the online apparel retailer. It's like a digital department store. Last night, these guys reported an excellent quarter, a clean top and bottom line beat with 58% sales growth, expanding gross margins, and strong operating metrics across the board. Yet today, the stock got crushed, down nearly 15%. Why? Well, management pointed out that they've got some tough comparisons coming up, which means that the growth rate is going to slow versus the compares. To which I say, duh. I mean, that's the law of large numbers and the reality of year-over-year comparisons. In the first quarter of last year, people were still staying home to hide from the pandemic. So there was no reason to shop for nice clothes. Second quarter is when people started getting, getting vaccinated en masse. Obviously, Revolve's growth won't look as strong by comparison. But thanks to today's monster decline in the overnight increase in the earnings estimates, the stock has become much cheaper. Could it be a buying opportunity? Let's take a closer look with Revolve Group's brain trust. Mike, Cara, Nicholas, and Michael Mente. They're the, co- the co-founders slash co-CEOs. Gentlemen, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks for having us. It's good to be here. All right. So, Mike, let me go to you first because I, I am concerned that uh, several times in the conference call, people were saying, listen, you just had an unbelievable quarter. Why would you possibly say that uh, that 30 percent for the next quarter is right when the momentum you have is obviously so good? I want to get that off the table because I think that's what drove the stock down and maybe just drove it down incorrectly. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and we, we had uh, communicated to the street that comps were going to get uh, much tougher in the second quarter and, and growth was going to go down on a comparative basis. But if you look at a three-year comp perspective, we're doing fantastic. Almost all of our metrics are at all-time highs, whether it's new customer ads, whether it's our, our stickiness with customers in terms of orders per active customer. So we're feeling great. We think the customer is feeling great. And uh, yeah, it's just a, a very tricky comparison when you're comparing to a period where people were still in a pandemic mindset in most of Q1 to uh, a Q2 where people were getting back out again. 
All right, good. And then, uh, Michael, I want to talk about your model because I love your model. I, I've tried to actually, uh, my wife is doing a business that's very much like your model when it comes to Mezcal. We're looking for influencers. We're looking for people who love it, uh, the people who talk, people who basically think that Revolve is a great thing. Uh, not unlike my daughter, by the way. And I wanted to know whether the model still works uh, in a post-pandemic era. Oh, the model works incredibly well. And I know our game has evolved. I think one thing that we've seen is that influencers are broader and more important than ever. You know, we've always historically been strong with Instagram influencers. And now with the the emergence of TikTok, that opens a whole new avenue for us to connect to our consumers. And, you know, by all metrics, you know, of of recent with Revolve Festival, where, you know, TikTok didn't exist, you know, in a meaningful way. The last time we had a Revolve Festival, you know, leaning into that has been incredibly, you know, valuable for us to reach our consumers in really effective ways and really emotional ways and really cost effective ways as well. Well, I, I have to tell you, I, I want to know why we don't have one, say, in East Hampton in the summer or why there isn't one in Miami. I mean, these are big events and people want to go to them, but they're in the West. And the pe- people in the East I know are just begging to go to one of your festivals. That is something that is at a definite, very much a possibility. You know, the festival was just just a magical experience. I had the time of my life. I think everyone there had the time of their lives. It was a real special moment, especially after so many years of, you know, not having these experiences. Right. I think everyone really appreciated it like never before. So more to come for us for sure. And we'll definitely be on the East Coast in the, the back half of the this year. You know, Mike, Mike, one of the things I was bummed out about is I have been adamant that people have to be buying stocks of companies that are profitable, even new or old, that are profitable, that have a feeling that it's important to grow, but also make money. Your free cash flow is extraordinary. It's nearly five times in three years. Why do people not understand that you're not just some another money losing company in the apparel business that came public during this period? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think our longtime investors do understand that and, and are big supporters of us. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a matter of getting the word out to, to more and more uh, investors out there. Uh, you know, certainly there's some traders that are going to push the stock up, push the stock down, reacting to small trends in, in, in monthly momentum. Uh, but, you know, if you look at our track record, 20 years of profitable uh, growth, growing nearly every single year, profits every year but 2008, uh, I think we're very different from most of the other companies out there. These companies might fit. Uh, they're online, then suddenly I feel that, that they put stores up. And to me, what that says is they have no faith in their model. They'll tell you, no, we got to have return. We want the presence on the street. Isn't the truth that if you're doing what you're doing with these two great brands, you got a lot of other uh, ideas, that it's an anathema to have brick and mortar? hundred percent. I mean, we think long term, certainly there can be opportunity there, but we have so much going on in our core business. Fifty eight percent growth uh, in the first quarter alone, uh, you know, record new customer ads. We, we uh, doubled our increase. Our, we nearly doubled our increase in active customers from a previous record we'd set a couple of quarters ago. So, you know, we have so much going on in the core business. There's no need to get into other avenues. And yeah, long term, it might be a possibility, but certainly not for us now. Excellent. Now, Michael, you mentioned TikTok. I watch Reels, too. What I'm seeing done with my 13 Pro looks a lot better than what I see on my TV, a lot online. Doesn't that just make it so that your the resolution and the visibility about what you have, Michael, is even stronger now than ever? More than ever, for sure. The resolution, the quality, the app makes, you know, production of video so much easier than things of times past. 
And not just, you know, the quality, but also just the intimacy you have with, uh, you know, the influencer, with the TikToker. There's just this connection that the consumer has that really, you know, communicates our message in, a, in strong ways that, you know, I don't think other channels are, you know, really enable you to do so. I think, you know, our strength in, you know, influencer marketing, our strength in production and the strength of, you know, the emotional message we're communicating is uh, is really getting across. And it really shows in all of our incredible metrics. All right. So, Michael, if you had the ability to have the money to build a department store on Fifth Avenue or throw the, uh, the, the whatever much that costs, throw parties that equal the cost of that building, what, Michael, would have a better return on investment? Dude, you're definitely throwing those parties just because, you know, as busy and as amazing as Fifth Avenue is, you know, there's not billions of people walking down the street. And I think what we're able to do is get billions of impressions through social media. So I think that's uh, that's already proven. That's already a really clear, uh, you know, it's the, the better way to go from uh, from our perspective. All right. Good, because that's why the stock should have been up, not down. All right. Just call it plain and simple. That's what should have happened. It didn't happen. That's Mike. Karen Nicholas, and that's Michael Mente. Gentlemen, thank you for coming on. You're, look, you're the new world, okay? I don't care. I know this because I have my eyes open. Others seem to have their eyes closed. They have money's back after the break. Clorox's products have a place in your home. But after importing clean quarter, does it stock deserve a place in your portfolio? Kramer's checking in next. Sometimes better than feared is all you need. Exhibit A is Clorox, the consumer packaged goods powerhouse that reported a decidedly mixed score on Monday night and saw its beaten down stock make a tremendous and to me worthy comeback. Normally, at this point, the business cycle investors will be buying recession-proof stocks like Clorox ain't over fists. But these days, we have a new problem. Most consumer product companies are being eaten alive by rampant cost inflation. So the stock's been an awful performer, and there wasn't much optimism going into the quarter. And there were a lot of people who were shorted. Then Clorox reported a set of numbers that, while not great or even good, were, were certainly enough to turn the stock around. On the one hand, the gross margins were crushed down 760 basis points year over year. And they shaved 20 cents off their full year earnings forecast. But on the other hand, well, the gross margins were better than they were expected in the previous quarter. Overall, Clorox delivered a 39 cent earnings beat off, off a 92 cent basis, but higher than expected sales. And they announced another round of price increases scheduled for July, which should help with the margin compression. The stock initially opened down a couple of bucks yesterday, but it reversed and finished up 3%. Today, it tacked on another 1.4%. I think it'll have a lot more room to run, especially if the Fed can quickly kill inflation. Don't take it from me. Let's dig deeper with Linda Randall. She's the CEO of Clorox. Learn more about the quarter and her outlook. Ms. Randall, welcome back to Bad Money. Great to be here, Jim. Well, Linda, point blank. I mean, you return to growth. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, you know, be careful. I like growth and you've got organic growth and there's no reason why your stock should have to bear the pain of a company that's shrinking. You're not anymore. Tell us about it. Yeah, we're really encouraged, Jim, to see the continued strong demand from consumers across our portfolio. And that certainly translated into top line results this quarter. You know, for the first half of our fiscal year, we were lapping 27 percent sales growth in the year ago period. But this quarter... As we lapped a more normalized environment, we were able to put organic growth on in three out of our four segments, the vast majority of our businesses, and three even grew in double digits. In addition to that, we were able to grow market share. So we feel terrific about the continued demand that consumers have for our portfolio and our opportunity to continue to grow in the future. 
Now, you do ascribe some of your growth to somewhat ethereal concerns. I'm going to lay them out, and you tell me why these translate into dollars. Bedrock, a company's bedrock of, of leading brands, purposeful and targeted participation strategy, discipline in the DNA, and believes in the link between its impact on the world and long-term value creation for its shareholders. How does this translate, and how do we know that that's why people are buying yeah, Jim, the most important thing that we manage are our brands, and they are incredibly strong with the consumer. We're in on nine out of 10 U.S. households. Our brands are deemed superior by consumers. 75% of our portfolio is deemed superior by consumers, which is a record high for us. What that means, these brands are household essentials that they need to run their everyday lives and are a really great value for them. So that enables us to invest in innovation, invest in our brands, uh, through great marketing spend, in addition to taking the pricing actions we need to to recover margins over time. All right. So uh, the July, July comes around, you put through the price increases. Uh, maybe the Fed tightens a little too much. Uh, does consumer go and say, you know what? I don't need glad bags or renew life. I can go with generic glad bags. And I see these other guys that got some junk that, that's probiotic. Uh, does that happen? You know, we have a long history of giving that superior value to consumers, and we would expect that to continue even in a period where the consumer is under a lot of stress. We've seen that in times where we've experienced recession before. So in 2008, our categories were very resilient and we grew the vast majority of our brands. So we feel confident in our ability to continue to attract consumers, give them that innovation and superior value they crave. And we believe they'll continue to choose us based off of our brands and brand superiority. All right, so I love cats. Why do I get fresh step, step outstretch? You better get fresh step outstretch because it is one of the best litters on the market, Jim. And in addition to that, it's a sustainability win. So it's a concentrated litter and it allows a consumer and you, Jim, to change your litter box less frequently. So it's more convenient. It's better for the environment. It's a great value. Do they like it? The cats love yeah. it and people love it. So what's that? that's always important. We want our cat friends to love whatever we put in front of them. Okay, so they're finicky. I got some finicky ones. All right, now how about uh, the disinfecting mist? Tell me about that. Yeah, the disinfecting mist was part of our next journey of how we help people ensure that they have the environments around them that are clean and disinfected. We've had a long growth runway in our wipes business, and this is the next foray into another convenient form. It's off to a very strong start. And the wonderful part, it's not only a great disinfecting experience, it's also another sustainability win for the consumer as it's a refill model. And it's something that we can invest in for years and years to come. And are your people who come up with sustainable ideas still getting the pay increases that we like from Clorox? Absolutely. You know, sustainability is built into the DNA here. We've had a long belief that societal value is absolutely tied to how we deliver shareholder value. And our teammates feel incredibly passionately about the purpose of our brands and delivering on our ESG commitments as a company. Now, do you, do you have something that you're eyeing right now that would be another group or maybe fit into one of your categories? Because what I what I always like about Clorox is that you'll come on and there'll be something that I really like that's now part of the Clorox family that you'll fix up, make better. Uh, are you always on the lookout? Could something be happening? You have the cash. Always looking, Jim. Absolutely. You know, the first place we always want to do is invest in our base business. And we have lots of places our brands that we already own can go. And we're proving that with innovation. But we are always open to looking across the environment and seeing, are there other brands we could bring in and leverage our world-class capabilities to grow? When I fly United, I always see that it's clean by Clorox. 
And I always say to myself, well, I don't need that thing that they give you when you walk in the plane. It's cleaned by Clorox. Um, but I never saw it again anywhere else. I mean, I want my stadium cleaned by Clorox, okay? I, I go to a stadium. It's one of the dirtiest places I go. If I saw Clorox on it and I knew that they actually did it, I would feel better. I like the Clorox name post, uh, post-pandemic. Why, why aren't more companies partnering? We've got lots of partners and lots more interest. United's a great example of a partnership where their commitment to safety and our commitment to safety really matched up. And we were able to deliver that consumer experience where you can be reassured, Jim, when you get on a United flight, I'll be reassured when I get on my flight tomorrow with United. And we're doing that in many more places where we're offering the consumer a better value and we're offering businesses the opportunity to leverage the Clorox brand to ensure that space is clean and disinfected and that consumers know it. So that, that continues to go really well for us, and we see that as a strategic growth runway moving forward. All right, so my wife carries the disinfecting wipes, the round bottle, everywhere. Uh, and before she sits down on the plane, she just wipes it down herself, even if it is United. Uh, that, was something, that was a habit she did not have, obviously, before the pandemic. That's never going to change. That is her new habit. How many other people like my wife? Lots of people like your wife who've realized that they want to control the environment around them. And so we've launched a lot of um, packaging opportunities that allow consumers to do that more conveniently, not just in the canister, but in flat packs and smaller packs where they can put it in their bag and purse and control the environment around them. And we continue to see people, even as we move into this endemic phase, continuing that increased cleaning and disinfecting behavior. And as a result, we have a much larger business than we did pre-pandemic. Yeah, Deb, I mean, we had Brian Chesky on last night for, uh, for Airbnb. And when we, when we go into an Airbnb, we always expect to see the wipes. Now, it's just a sign. It's the sign that they care. I wish the hotels did, uh, but it's a sign that the people care because you've got a great brand and everybody trusts it. And I'm so glad that you had this quarter. That is the breakout quarter for organic growth. And I think there are going to be many more. Linda Rendell, CEO of Clorox. Congratulations. Thanks so much, Jim. Great to be here. Absolutely. Okay, guys, 3%. Got the growth back. Clearly know what they're doing. Best brands. Linda Rendell, Clorox. Man, buddy's back after the break. Just chill out. Is this Chill Master Jay? The Chill Man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. Hold it. Before we get to tonight's lightning round, I want to invite you to join me tomorrow for our monthly investing club meeting. It's going to be real informal and punchy. We'll be doing it starting at noon this time. Do not miss it. I am promising you a show of shows. We're going to dig into the wild market together, make a plan for, you know, something that we can maybe be lasting. And now it is time. It is time for the lightning round. Of course, the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Skeet? Time for the lightning round. Let's go to Byron, Oklahoma. Byron. Hey, Jim. I'm a longtime follower and an investment club member. Got a question for you. Bounce health, Bounce health getting ready to split. Do we buy, hold, or sell more? You got to buy. We didn't get to be. We wanted to buy more today. We ran out of time. This thing's being put on sale. There are shorts taking it all the way down. It is quite ridiculous. I wanted to be able to buy a huge slug of it today. So that's how I feel for the trust. I'll mention that tomorrow. Jeff in Arizona. Jeff. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Been following you since your first book. Whoa. I should write another. Yeah, you should write another. I think I will. Anyway, my question is on ACN or Accenture. They 
They crushed that stock. The business is fantastic. They had a great quarter. I'm saying to people, bye, bye, bye. Now we're going to Jeff in Ohio. Jeff. Yes, sir. Hey, this is Jeff in Ohio. I'm calling about the stock Cellularity, C-E-L-U. It's right near where I live, and I got to tell you, that's one of the higher-risk stocks out there. The way I would look at it is be prepared to lose everything, but otherwise make a lot of money if it works out. Let's go to Gilbert in Tennessee. Gilbert. Booyah from Memphis, Jim. How are you? stock is manualized. Great. My stock is manualized. I think they take on too much risk, Manualife. I'm not there for the 5%. I don't need it. Too much risk in the common stock. Let's go to Jeff in Florida. Jeff. Hi, Jim. Hey, I own quite a bit of Marvel. And um, I like the stock. I want to keep buying more of it. Well, you should. I mean, this company has two businesses, high-performance computing and 5G. We know that those are the two strongest areas. It has no PC business. It has no gaming. Marvell is a stock that we've been buying, 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 buying for the charitable trust, and I think you should do so, too. I want to go to Michael in South Carolina. Michael. Hello, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Oh, you're welcome. One of my uh, favorite dividend stocks just reported record Q1 earnings, uh, gave positive guidance for the rest of 22, has a strong balance sheet, a 4.5% dividend yield. Can Iron Mountain climb much higher from current levels? What was stock? Iron Mountain. I like Iron Mountain. Good yield. Very consistent business. Oh, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Kramer's got a latte to say about the latest commentary from Starbucks Top Brass. He's brewing up his take next. Take control of your financial future with the new madmoney.cnbc.com. Kramer's exclusive CEO interviews, full episodes, analysis, even your own soundboard. Plus, special access to Mad Money 101 with rules and techniques to break down the market for all investors. The red flag that makes me drop a stock immediately is... It's everything you need right when you need it. The new madmoney.cnbc.com. Let's say you come to me a couple of days ago, ask me what I thought about Starbucks. I told you a pretty well-run company. I'm addicted to my triple vente cappuccino with skim wet. Real good tasting. Always have a good time. Yet on yesterday's conference call, I listened to founder and returning CEO Howard Schultz basically rebuke the previous management team by talking openly about how the company's falling behind. Hey, let me read it to you. I don't want to just, you know, kind of just conjecture. Quote, looking ahead, try to imagine thousands of vastly more productive and efficient Starbucks stores reconfigured to align with today's customer behavior and build around technology that will deliver increased speed of service, improve labor management, and reduce unit costs and elevated partner and customer experience, end quote. Now, if you haven't been following the Starbucks Sega, the previous CEO, Kevin Johnson, had been doing a pretty darn good job in most of the areas where the company operates. We just found out they had 12% same-source sales growth in the U.S., a marvelous number that happened under Johnson, not Schultz. Sure, China was awful, but they got rolling lockdowns there, so it's not like there's anything a CEO could do. More importantly, Johnson was brought in from Juniper Networks. He had been on the board of, of, of Starbucks, but he brought in from Juniper. It's a tech company. For one thing, 
try to figure out how to make the stores work better. Uh, automate the stores. Maximum throughput. He did it brilliantly. Granted, they've had a couple of stores unionized in recent months, which no executive ever wants to see. But that's not a Starbucks-specific problem. We've got ultra-low unemployment right now, and that's giving workers more leverage across the whole economy, hence the sudden resurgence of the labor movement. It's not just at Starbucks. Putting aside those nine company-specific issues, I think Kevin Johnson deserved better on the conference call. He did an excellent job, and while Schultz immediately put a stop to the enormous buyback, it's something shareholders did love. Maybe the coffee and service will get better with Schultz back at the helm, but I didn't realize it was bad in the first place. Maybe I should have been going to Dutch Bros all along. Now, I don't blame Schultz for being unhappy about the unionization driving. He's the CEO. It's opposition relationship. The more entrenched the union gets, the less control he has over the stores. Is this happening because Kevin Johnson was out of touch with the baristas? Schultz seems to think so. I beg to differ. So many competitors lost their way during COVID, while Starbucks became one of the great winners. It's incredibly popular, particularly in the afternoon, because one of, out of nowhere, and, and that's way beyond, I think, Johnson or Schultz's purview, out of nowhere, Afternoon cold drinks became one of the most beloved offerings. Who could have predicted that? But who could have also thought that shift was going to be so hard? I do think Kevin should have realized that the digital payment system mistakenly discouraged tipping. That was a blind spot that could have been easily solved, like the way Uber handles tipping. You could argue that the aggressive buyback was too big for the balance sheet to handle once China went into shutdown mode, but not before then. Out of nowhere, though, we're being told that Starbucks was poorly run. I balked at that. Putting everything else aside... No one can say Kevin Johnson compromised on the taste. Their coffee held up, something I was worried about when a tech guy took the helm. To me, the truth is a little more subtle, nuanced, complicated. Howard Schultz built this business, and he's got every right to come in and try to make things better. But there's no need to be so dismissive of Johnson, who got dealt a tough hand with COVID. Suddenly, the Bruce's had to work different hours. While some stores were hit hard by the virus, they had to shift around all over the place. This person here, that person there, some stores closed. I thought Johnson juggled everything pretty darn well. Today, we saw his last quarter on the job, and it was good enough to send the stock soaring nearly 10%. So maybe the guy deserves a little more credit, if not a bow. I like to say there's always a bull market summer. I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.